Matthew 28, beginning in verse 1, tells us, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came down to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, his clothes as white as the snow. And the guard shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. And as they went, his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. And Father, we humbly ask this morning that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would speak to us through the word of God, that which we each need to hear as we spend this time together now, as we continue in our worship. Bless your word. We ask this together expectantly in Jesus' name. And everyone said together, amen. Amen. You may be seated if you would like. This Sunday, of course, marks the day that we celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ who the Bible tells us suffered and died on the cross as our substitute, that after being buried, then rose back to life again on that third day, Sunday, and thanks be to God, is now alive. And Matthew chapter 28 records for us the events of that first day that Jesus' resurrection was discovered. And as we look at these things in the word of God, I think they picture for us What should honestly still be transpiring today is we celebrate the resurrection of Christ and live in the reality that Jesus is not dead like other religious leaders, but he is the one and the only who has risen back to life and is alive today. Let's remember the story of what's happened prior to these events we just read about. On Friday, the Bible tells us, of course, that Jesus had been badly beaten up. He was whipped. He was nailed to a cross where he suffered and died there. And in love for us, Jesus was suffering in our place, taking the punishment that you and I deserve as sinful people for our sins so that we could be spared from eternal judgment and hell, so that we could have our guilt removed, our sins forgiven, and have the opportunity to go to heaven. And once Jesus completed this, necessary suffering he declared right before he died it is finished nothing else need be done to have forgiveness of sins and then it tells us jesus dismissed his spirit and died matthew chapter 27 records for us that when they watched jesus die on the cross that the roman centurion who was there said truly this was the son of god It's at that point a man named Joseph of Arimathea, who was a secret follower of Jesus for fear of the Jews, went and asked Pilate 
If he could take the body of Jesus and in a dignified way bury his Lord's body in a tomb that had never been used before and we're told that they quickly before the Sabbath day began that Friday evening before sun went down put the body of Jesus in a tomb and did a quick burial process as they recognized this tragic death. Now understand, the followers of Jesus having to go through this were tremendously heartbroken. It appeared like everything went wrong. It looked like everything was going wrong as they sadly buried him. It's at that point we get our account we're looking at this morning, Matthew 28. Again, if you look with me in verse 1, we're told now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Now, we know these women, the account tells us, had actually been there watching Jesus die and had witnessed Jesus quickly be buried and put into a tomb. And understand, they were not coming that day to the tomb early that morning in a spirit of hope or excitement. Actually, it was in a spirit of doubt and sadness, sadness, feeling quite hopeless, having just watched the tragic death of Jesus in the current situation. These women loved Jesus. They watched him suffer and die and be buried. And they're now coming to do one final act to honor their Lord whom they loved. We're told here they came after the Sabbath, that is Saturday, the last day of the week, in which a Jew would not work on that day, so they would rest during that day. And it says, now as the first day of the week began to dawn, which puts us very early Sunday morning, it says, verse 1, they came to the tomb. Now, the other biblical accounts tell us that they were coming to the tomb, bringing spices that they might anoint him. The idea is they were coming to anoint his dead body. This was customary in a burial process in a hot Mideastern climate as the body would decompose. They would come and they would put spices and perfumes. So as they recognized it was a very quick burial process on Friday as the sun was going down and the Sabbath was encroaching, they realized that the proper burial process had not been completed. So they're coming back to honor and finish this burial process of the Lord's body there in the tomb. The point I want to make to you this morning is they were not coming, as I said, in a spirit of faith. They were not coming to the tomb expectant that they were going to see Jesus alive. In fact, they were filled with sadness. They were grieving over the death of someone who they greatly loved. They were bummed out. They were discouraged. They were in a very dark time in their lives. And look, this morning, as you are sitting here on this holiday, perhaps you can relate to that experience this morning. You may be here this morning and you're grieving over someone that you've lost in death. You may be here this morning and maybe you're dealing with disappointment or some discouragement. Honestly, you may be here this morning and you may be in a very dark time in your own personal life. Look, God understands those experiences, and I want to say to you this morning that God wants to help with those experiences, to help lift you out of that heartache. Psalm chapter 30 tells us, Weeping and sorrow may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. See, part of life's journey on this earth involves enduring hardships, hardships, 
It involves going through times of loss, even passing through dark times, but it is our Lord's overcoming power helping us that ultimately enables us to once again experience joy on the other side of the valley. And that's exactly what these women were going to experience that day. They were in a dark place. They were hurting. They were discouraged. But literally, joy was coming for them this very morning. Verse 2 tells us, notice, that behold, there was an earthquake, and an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came, rolled back the stone from the door, and sat upon it. And his countenance was like lightning, his clothing as white as snow, and the guards, it says, shook for fear of him and became like dead men. So take notice on this first Easter, God's power was displayed and God's power was discovered by people. It tells us in Mark's account in chapter 16, that as these women walked to the tomb in a discouraged spirit, that they were actually very concerned about a problem that was too big for them to resolve on their own. It tells us this in Mark 16, that as the women were on the way to the tomb, they were asking each other, who will roll the stone for us away from the entrance of the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled away. See, in these burial tombs, there was a large disc-shaped stone that they would roll in a channel to block off the entrance to the tomb to seal it in place. It was extremely heavy, and oftentimes it took multiple men and tools to move one of these stones that blocked the doorway. The point is it would be impossible for these women to be able to handle or remove this large obstacle that was in their path. They had a circumstantial problem that was too large and difficult for them to fix on their own. So as they were heading to the tomb, they were saying, how are we going to deal with this obstacle? There's a problem in our way that we are unable to solve. And perhaps today you are facing something large and difficult that's an obstacle in your life. Maybe you're dealing with a problem in your path and you are wondering, how am I going to deal with this problem? What am I going to do? There's no way on my own I can remove this problem. Well, when these women arrived, the Bible says they looked up and they found the stone had already been rolled away. And the way that that happened, verse 2 tells us, is that God acted for them to do what they could not do on their own. It tells us that God brought a localized mini earthquake. He's the God of creation. He can do that. And right there where the tomb was, God brought a localized mini earthquake that broke the seal of the stone. And then it says God sent one of his angels down from heaven who then rolled the stone away from the door for them. And he wasn't rolling away the stone to let Jesus out. He was rolling away the stone so that people could look in. So they could see that Jesus was no longer there. God used his power to deal with their problem for them. God removed the obstacle that they could not move by themselves. He took care of the issue that they were facing, and God solved the problem by his power 
before the time came that they even had to face the problem. So before they got there, before they actually had to face the problem, God took care of the problem for them by his mighty power. And today, listen, God is able to do the same in your circumstances. If that's what's necessary, in a display of his great power, he can act to take care of any large problem that you may be dealing with in your life. He can remove an obstacle and resolve a problem that you may have to deal with but can't solve on your own. The Bible tells us in Genesis 18, is there anything too hard for the Lord? In Jeremiah's account, we're told in chapter 32 that Jeremiah declared, O Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Look, my encouragement to you this morning is keep walking forward, trusting the Lord, and know that he, by his power, is able to do what you may not be able to do on your own. He, by his power, can deal with obstacles and remove problems even before you have to face or encounter that problem. He can do for us great and mighty things. We are told here that as they arrived, the angel was sitting there radiating heaven's glory like beautiful white snow. It says the brightness of lightning. They were glowing in this heavenly glory and appearance. And as a result of that, we're told there in verse four that though these tough Roman military guards, listen, who feared nothing. This was like elite commando unit type men. These Roman military men feared absolutely nothing whatsoever. But when that angel came radiating the glory of God and they weren't God, they were just radiating the glory of God. These tough Roman soldiers, as they experienced the power of God's presence, fell down overwhelmed like they were dead on the ground. They were humbled by the power of God. Their pride was stripped away and they totally surrendered in this moment. Look, the first day Jesus rose from the dead, it included the power of God being displayed in many different ways. Because it is the power of God, folks, that solves problems, that removes barriers, and it is the power of God that changes the hardest of human hearts. And the same is happening today because that power comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ because he is alive from the dead and still working in his power. The reality that Jesus is alive proves God has mighty power and that he wants us each to discover that. Ephesians 1, Paul prays that we might know the incredible greatness of God's power toward us who believe it's the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. The same power that brought Jesus back from the realm of the dead, that same power of God is available to help in our lives. Now, as these women arrive, we, they, we're told that they see a bunch of Roman guards laying face down. They see a shining angel sitting on the tomb. And it tells us there in verse five that the angel said to these women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. For he is risen as he said. 
Notice the first day that Jesus rose from the dead, God's process of salvation was completed. We're told that this angelic messenger from heaven ensured these women with these four words, do not be afraid. Despite how scary the current circumstances looked that were making them feel afraid, maybe they even as they showed up to the tomb that day were worrying if they might be the next person dead. But as God saw that fear in their hearts, the angel's message to them was, do not be afraid. Stop being afraid. The power of God is at work. And look, what we see in our current circumstances today may make us afraid. But God is in control. God created the heavens and the earth. God, by his power, raised Jesus from the dead. And perhaps what you are seeing has been making you shake in fear and live in anxiety and be stressed and and overcome by a spirit of fear. Maybe the word from heaven for you today is that God would say to you, do not be afraid. Stop being afraid because God's power is at work and God's power is at control of all that's going on in and among our lives. Well, as they show up that day, we're told that as the angels arrive or the people arrive and see the angels there, that the angels assure these women that heaven was aware why they came. Do you notice what they say to the women? The angel says to the women, listen, God has accomplished something much better than what you're looking for. You've come seeking Jesus, who was crucified. We know why you came. You're looking for Jesus, who was crucified. But they say, he has risen, remember, just as he said. Just as he said he was going to do. See, Jesus had been predicting all along that he was going to suffer, that he was going to be killed, and that on the third day he would rise from the dead. But whenever the disciples heard that, they just tuned it out. They didn't want to hear it. But Jesus always keeps his word. God always fulfills what he said. And part of that was because God was fulfilling his loving plan to provide salvation for our souls. He was crucified. Why? Because someone needed to pay the punishment for my sins, for your sins. When Jesus was crucified, he took the punishment that we deserve for our sins when he died on our behalf. But the greater news, he is not here. He's not here anymore. For he is risen. He has conquered the power of death. He is arisen again. Our powerful Lord has overcome the death process, which validates what he did was completely acceptable. It indicates God accepted what Jesus did. And look, that's important because we all need salvation. We all need the forgiveness of our sins. We need the assurance that there is hope after death. And Jesus is who provides that. And because Jesus is alive today, he can say, not as a dead person in a grave, but as a living Lord, I am the way. No one comes to the Father but through me. And as we come to Jesus, he offers us the way to be able to have our sins forgiven and access into heaven. Jesus offers us the way to have meaningful relationship with God, not a religious lifestyle. 
but a meaningful personal relationship with God through a person, his son, Jesus. And Jesus rising from the dead also gives to us assurance that there's also power to overcome sin from controlling and ruining our lives. The Bible says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why these angels offer the invitation to these women where they say to them, verse six, come and see the place where the Lord lay and then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and going before you into Galilee and there you will see him. So notice the invitation, come and see for yourselves and then go and tell others what you discover. Come and see for yourselves the promise. Come and see he is not here. He is alive. See it for yourself, and then after you experience it yourself, share those same spiritual realities with others. The same pattern exists today. Come and see for yourself, and then go and tell others the wonderful reality that Jesus not only died for our sins, but has risen from the dead. And notice, that's why the promise could be given, go to Galilee, and notice in Galilee, it says there they would see him. That is, they were going to have an encounter with the Lord, a personal encounter with Jesus and see him in a real way. And that is exactly today still what the heart of God is, that each and every person would have a individual encounter with the Lord Jesus, that we would see him for ourselves that we would discover him for ourselves. How wonderful is it not to be able to see for yourself like amazing grace that him says, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. I see. I see for myself who Jesus is and what he offers. And verse eight says, they went out quickly from the tomb with great joy to bring the disciples word. And look what verse nine says. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Literally, as these women were going to bring word, it says what? Jesus met them. They had a literal encounter that day with the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And I love the way the Bible tells us that Jesus met them. The idea is, guess who was more excited about the encounter? Jesus was. Jesus met them. And look, this morning, let me say to you, that is exactly the heart of Jesus. Jesus meets people right where they are at in their lives. Have you met Jesus yet? He wants to meet you right where you are at in your life. And notice the word from heaven. Jesus gave them one word that first Easter, verse 9. What was it? Rejoice. Celebrate. Stop being bummed out. Stop being freaked out. Stop being angry. Rejoice. Celebrate. You have something to celebrate. Jesus Christ, who died for our sins, is alive from the dead, and he can turn sorrow into gladness and depression into something to actually have to celebrate. And I love how these women responded to the Lord there. It tells us that they embraced him personally. They humbled themselves at his feet as they clung to his feet, acknowledging his authority and rulership over their lives. And they worshiped him. And listen today, folks, that is exactly the same thing that Jesus still wants 
from each and every one of us, that we would do the same, that you and I would choose to embrace Jesus for ourselves, that you and I would humble ourselves before Jesus as our ruler and submit to him at his feet and let him be in control of our lives. He does a much better job when he's in control and I am not. And that we would worship him as they worshiped him, giving him glory and honor that he is worthy of and so deserves. That's why we're out here doing this today, because despite what anybody says, Jesus is alive from the dead and he deserves our worship. He deserves glory and honor and praise to celebrate what he has done for us. Look, in a difficult world, so many people are hopeless. Let us rejoice that we know that the devil doesn't want you to hear this. Let us rejoice that we know this, that the power of the risen Lord Jesus Christ is available to help each and every one of us as we call on the name of the Lord.